Welcome back for another episode of the Post Money Plan Podcast. My name is Dallas Post, and I am your host. As you know, I believe empowerment comes through knowledge, so my purpose here is to inform, educate, and stimulate thought within personal finance, economics, and investing. You can find me at postmoneyplan.com or search the Post Money Plan in the iTunes podcast app or in Google Play. So I wanted to talk about workplace toxicity because I think it's very relevant to personal finance because it can make you hate what you're doing and it can really kill your motivation, it can kill your drive, your productivity, it can stop you from achieving your potential. So I think it's very relevant to be discussing this in the context of personal finance. You can start out mentally healthy in your job, but become infected by contagious toxicity around you. But the connection to personal finance is that Empowering you with the belief that you can influence the situation means that you can, you can be the change that you want to see in the world. If you can't make that happen in your current workplace, then you might want to consider going out and starting your own company with values and culture that you actually believe in. Either way, I think avoiding toxic work environments is going to be good for your finances. So that's why I wanted to bring you, Gina, onto the show and discuss your personal experiences with workplace toxicity, and those kind of experiences. We all know I have tons of those stories. I'm right out of college, had no idea what I wanted to do, but I had a psychology degree. Um, Would I have gone to college if my parents didn't pay for it? Probably not. So, like society suspects you should go to college, so I went to college. I don't feel I got anything out of college. Um, Yes, it taught me how to work hard and turn things in on time and structure, but my passion is helping people and my own creativity. So they are not teaching us what we need to know to make it in the real world from kindergarten. And that's a problem. So unless people can think for themselves, we're going downhill. All right. So fill us in just on some of your personal experiences with workplaces that were dysfunctional or that really felt like they were hindering your capacity to meet your full potential. I would say every single place I've worked for And my resume is non-existent anymore because I've worked for way too many companies. I'm a fiery person. I think it all starts with domestication. So right out of college, unless you have a clear path on what your passion is, you are going to experience basically a force having to push you into the workforce, maybe with something you don't want to do because we have to pay the bills. Unless we want to live at home with our parents until we're 35 years old. You know, this is what's happening today. Most people are in fear, so I feel that if we don't know what we want to do with our lives come 21 years old, then we're going to go down the slippery slope, going through job after job, figuring out what we want to do. Some people give up, some people keep going forward, but I think the majority of people give up because it's in the workplace, I mean, money talks, money is in control. We have to conform, we have to do what we're supposed to do or else we're not going to get paid or else we're going to be unemployed. The situation I think of is like the movie Office Space. You know, a guy is going into a job that completely demotivates him. Because he he hates what he does. He finds it completely toxic, you know? He's got a boss who's just like overbearing, has no context. Every day is a drag and he doesn't, like, he has nothing to live for. I feel almost as if it's like we are cogs in a factory. This is the old model, right? So somebody with a lot of money owns a company and it's their way. They are not mindful, nor do they really, and some do. There are some people out there that actually care about the well-being of their employees and their morale, but it's very, 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 very far and few between. 
So I think that when companies begin with a goal of money, greed, being the best of the best, taking the shortcuts, oh, I just talked about this yesterday, cutting corners, doing whatever it takes just to get that extra buck in their pocket, I think that mindset already sets up a toxic environment for people because they're just another number. People are just another number. They, they don't have your best, in, and I'm saying this, I'm generalizing. Some do. There are some rare cases out there. But they wouldn't hesitate firing somebody because they don't care. We're just numbers for the majority. Let's clarify the situation, though, first. What do you qualify or what do you define as a toxic work environment? Well, to define it, I would say it's between a high school and a prison. <laughs> I've never been to prison, but that's how I would classify it. So you go there. You don't want to be there. You're kind of um, being told what to do. You're micromanaged, right? High school and a prison. Nobody <laughs> wants to be there, right? I graduated high school early because I wanted to get the heck out of there and do what I wanted to do. I don't conform. So that's why I've had a lot of jobs. That's why I got the heck out of high school. I mean, I want to get out there and follow and find what I want to do. And I think people are too scared. So a toxic environment is between a prison and a high school. You have a bunch of people that are being told what to do. And if you don't follow, then you're just going to be kicked out of the crowd. You're not going to fit in. You're not going to belong. And you're going to look bad. But I don't, I've never cared about that. I mean, we all have ego and you know, we don't want to be embarrassed or humiliated. But at the end of the day, if there's a toxic work environment, I'm going to stick up and say something, even if it's not my business, because it's not right. The analogy that you're making me think of is the military. I would not survive in the military. That's what, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. The concept behind the military is that it has to be a cohesive unit. And so it has to be very top-down, hierarchical. The grunts are just receiving the orders. They have to obey them without question. And some people like that. But, I mean, <laughs> that makes sense in a military context where lives are at stake. You have to function as one whole. But then when you take it to a less extreme situation of the free market work environment and companies where it's a voluntary participation, it doesn't seem to make as much sense that it should be so you have to fit your uh, round peg into the round hole and you must conform exactly as everyone says you have to be. There should be some more flexibility to be your own person. There should be more flexibility, but the problem is we're too narrow-minded as a whole. People are too narrow-minded. If you have money and you're the man, things are going to be your way. And it's sad, but the results of people opening up and listening to people and actually trying to see what do the people want and caring about the other individual, you know, we're in an empathy deficit. They don't care if you're happy in, in your job. Some companies do, and they're implementing some fantastic software in order to measure this. I mean, the stats are all there, you know. If you're engaged at work, your company will be 202% more profitable. But 71% of the workforce is disengaged at work. So most people in today's corporate America, they hate their job. They go there, clock in, clock out, go home, and that's it. So unless people start getting into gear and trying to figure out, look inward, figure out what they want and how they can make this world a better place, we're all robots, basically. It's kind of like a problem from both sides of the coin. You know, if you think from the employer side, if you have demotivated employees... They're not going to work hard. They're not going to be engaged. They're mm -hmm. not going to be, not gonna be productive. Nice. Right. And then from the individual, the employee's side, if you don't like your work environment, if you feel oppressed or you don't feel autonomous. You or, don't feel appreciated. I mean, yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
then again, you're not productive, but you're not going to invest to try hard in your job. And then you're not going to get promoted or moved along or given opportunities, things like that. It's bad on both sides of the coin. And the employee is not going to do their best work, which in turn affects bottom line profitability for the company because you're not delivering the high quality service, customer service, which is what makes a company succeed. So if yes, I agree. If, if you're not happy at where you work, it affects every aspect of your life and it affects the company, especially if the company is bitter. I was actually just going to say that, make that point exactly what you're saying, is that it affects you financially, socially, mentally, spiritually, and physically. It all ties together. If you think about your workplace is where you're spending... Most of your life. Yeah, uh, most of your waking life. You want it to be a place that you enjoy and that you feel valued and that you're contributing and, and doing something that's productive. And if you feel that it's toxic and detrimental to your life, you're not going to be a happy person. You're not a happy person. And most of people today, they're not happy in their work. And that's sad. Um, I have several examples. My most recent company, I was kind of the employee morale booster. And, um, you know, people would come to me when things were out of whack and they would come vent to me just an ear to crown, which I think every company needs, somebody that isn't going to go report back and create friction within the workplace. Sometimes people just need people to vent to, right? So I got a message from a girl that I used to work with at a moving company. She texted me and said, I just feel underappreciated. I feel like nothing good I do is recognized, but every mistake I make is magnified. I'm busting my butt and exhausting myself, but it's my job, right? I'm just tired. That in itself, I mean, if companies aren't constantly checking in to make sure that their employees are happy, which, again, unless they care, they're not, people, people are miserable. And, it, and if it's not being announced and talked about and monitored, then you could have a whole workplace of unhappy individuals. And what does that do for a company? So taking it back to your somewhere between a high school and prison analogy, in the corporate work environment, I think of it in two different ways. You could either have a workplace that's systemically toxic in that it's toxic for everybody there. Mm-hmm. Or it could be subjective where it's only toxic just for you, the individual, and the way you perceive it. And it's not, there's not good chemistry between you and the corporate work environment, but it might be okay for other people there. Okay, agreed. So I've seen bullying, which I think is a huge issue today that most definitely is not monitored because crossing boundaries that some employers don't want to or... Maybe they agree with the toxicity of the bullying. So I saw one girl at my last company again. She was a new coordinator and all of the team, all the team of coordinators, five women, a bunch of women, were to take her and train her and show her the way and, and give her tasks to do. So when upper management was out of town, I stopped by the office to check in, see how things were going. And I personally witnessed people bullying her telling her what to do, saying, you need to be back in your seat. You're not allowed to have a break until lunch when these, these other women go smoke and take their breaks. And they were bullying this girl. Even the um, former president of the company, she was a woman too. She was bullying her too right in front of me. So I took um, Susan, we'll call her Susie, took Susie into um, my office, closed the door and said, you know, what's going on? And she vented it all out to me and it was not acceptable, right? Not that I had room to say anything, but these women were telling her what to do, being rude to her, you know, making her miserable to the point where she wanted to cry. She was like, Gina, I can't come in there because I'm going to get in trouble by them. And to fear your fellow employees, yeah. there's some issues there. 
Long story short, I ended up um, reaching out to upper management, my direct report, and he said, you know, Gina, it's not your place. It's not your place. So it was even divided with my upper management, even though he was you know, at the top of the company, it was still divided. So there's so many areas of toxicity that you just can't do anything about it. Let's take that example specifically. How do you think that toxic culture got started in the first place? Like what incentive was there for those people to restrict that person? I think people being their own status being jeopardized, maybe when somebody new comes in, it threatens their own position. So then they get either that or just the thrill of drama. People get bored, hate their job. Let's get some drama going. That should be fun. Let's go gossip. That's fun. It almost ignites a conversation. It's easy to gossip, right? People can say, oh, look at what she's wearing, blah, blah, blah. But people can engage with that a lot quicker and instantly because you want to conform. But imagine if people didn't respond to, look what she's wearing. She just did this. People responded with love and empathy and not just go along with what people are saying to conform. Because I think people will talk gossip even if they don't think it's true. So they'll be like, oh, yeah, I can't believe she did that. Like, I think they will just to fit in, which is a problem. I don't think people are thinking for themselves. I think people will follow the crowd to fit in and belong. So gossip is a a prime example of of a toxic uh, ingredient to a workplace. Gossip, yeah. Gossip as in, hey, the company, I heard the company's about to close down, is different than she just did this. I can't believe she did that. She's so name call this, name call that. You know, there's different kinds of gossip, of course. Yeah. So... Tell me some more stories of personal experiences of toxic situations or environments. Oh, where do I begin? Um, I mean, the Gina story can get quite intense, but it's just all over the place. Um, so I was a career advisor for a, a medical academy where you get a certification and then you can go get a medical billing and coding job or something like that, right? And it was a government-funded university. So our role as career advisors was to help the graduates with like Burger King background, like all these different like lower end type um, employment backgrounds, help them to get to get jobs in the workforce with their with their degree or um, certification. And um, I was one of the top placement. They call them placements. Um, I had the highest volume. So they would give me, you know, the most difficult cases. And I would work directly with the CEO of the company. And he since they have to report the placements. He asked or told me, you know, just write that down as a placement. And it wasn't a placement. So I was like, I'm not going to do that. You know, it wasn't a placement, so I'm not going to do that. The next day I was fired. So (laughs) the CEO of the company was asking you to do something that you found to be more It was unethical. No, it was unethical Uh, because it it was not true. And you refused to do that and then were fired. The next day. Well, that is clearly in an environment where it's better to get thrown out of than to be like sucked into it sounds like absolutely but we're never sucked into you know we got to pay the bills right well my i guess my point is if there's a a stark all of a sudden like you're asked to do something that you clearly are uncomfortable with then it's easier for you to just say i'm not going to participate in that but if it was like a very slow gradual like oh here let's just like stretch the rules here and then like stretch it a little bit more here and then bend this here and then eventually you wake up and you realize like whoa whoa, whoa, what am I doing here right I see I nip it in the bud I'm not going to do something that's going to make me feel unethical but there's a lot of workplace uh, situations that that is happening where people are just kind of told to push the boundaries or maybe change the rules or 
sweep things under the rug just to make things easy for whoever's in to charge. keep their job security and that's the yeah. problem with the world today because i'm not going to do that most people will you're right most people will in fear of losing yeah. their job which i wasn't scared of that which is why i've had so many jobs but um i'm not going to do something i know is wrong i think we need more of that character in the workplace but it's more comes down to what we are we are all in fear. We're all running around in this world, little ants in this world, trying to make it, trying to keep our house. So actually that kind of goes to something that I always think about is trying to avoid living with too much debt because then that's kind of a bargaining chip that it, like it doesn't seem this way, but it kind of ends up being this way that employers kind of have power over the employees because... If the employees have a lot of debt in mm -hmm. which they're trying to pay the bills and keep up with the debt so that they're not behind on the debt and losing whatever their possessions are, then they're afraid to lose their job mm -hmm. and therefore will fall in line and, and will conform to whatever that is asked of them. Which is a great problem with why most of the world is in debt, <laughs> you know, because we're all scared, I think. And until people start standing up for what's right, you know, yes, we all do have the risk of losing all our money because most people don't plan I never knew how to budget. I wasn't taught how to do a budget in college, in high school, by my parents. Nobody taught me the importance of budgeting. Same with, you know, etiquette and getting to know yourself, figuring out what you want in life. These things are not taught in our upbringing. We're not taught the most fundamentals of how to survive in the world today, and I think that's a problem. I think that's the problem. We're not taught how to budget. We're not taught how to manage our money. We're not taught how to deal with um, emotional situations. We're not taught how to survive in the workplace without being manipulated. We're not taught to be ourselves. Actually, last week I was doing a podcast with a teacher who was telling me about the education system and some of the things that they, they teach in the education system and how they teach it. And I was just harping on the concept that there's a lot of life skills that aren't taught in school. Which need to be. But it seems to me that they're not taught because an employer doesn't require them. So the people go through school and are trained to be employees rather than fully functioning humans. Right. We are, they want us to conform and just be cogs in a factory. And that's how, you know, I think with our generation, we're really shaking that up. Go after what you want. You know, there is no job security. I mean, take a leap. Life's too short, you know. Get out of the workforce. Corporate America, if they're going to be corrupt, their companies will eventually fumble, right? So everybody needs to get out there and fight for what they want. Yeah. It's scary. So just to take it a step back to a personal example of mine that I thought of, I would say I haven't really been in any corporate work environments that were systemically toxic, but my last employer, it was subjectively toxic to me personally. I didn't believe in the value of what I was doing there at Raymond James. I was in equity research and I didn't value what I was doing. I was like a stock market analyst. I'm analyzing stocks. And I'm writing these reports, but they were kind of like bogus in the sense that it was just to like put a nice window dressing on You're things. falsifying information? Sometimes it felt like that to me. And that's where I would start to get uncomfortable with it. Yeah. It Which would, is a great thing that you were noticing. Yeah, because it would be basically like trying to put a rosy picture on horrible situations, basically, so that certain people weren't offended or then decide, oh, we don't want to do business with them because they're saying bad things. Mm -hmm. I didn't like that. I didn't feel comfortable with that. And I didn't feel that that was being honest and providing value to everyone involved in the situation. You're sacrificing your morals. Yeah, exactly. So 
I wasn't motivated to be excelling in that, in that work environment or to be productive. And so that was very toxic to me in terms of my ability to be doing something that I felt like was valuable and putting effort into it and providing back to society. I found that to be very toxic. Which brings you down personally too, so you go home and you're upset. I mean, I, w- I was okay, but <laughs> I, I, it, was, it was very much on my mind for like the last year that I was there. The whole, I mean, the whole time you were there? So I was there about two years. And for the whole last year, I was just pretty much thinking about like my exit strategy. Did you ever approach the situation to upper management? I mean, I would talk to my bosses. It was one of those things that was like so deeply ingrained in like how things ran that uh, like I wasn't going to be allowed to rock the boat kind of thing. Did you voice your uncomfortable feelings about what you were doing to your boss? And what did they say? Well, yeah. And the one that I had like better relations with got fired. So So you were in fear of your job? No, I wasn't afraid of losing my job because I I mean, I wanted out. I was just trying to figure out what the next step was going to be after that. So what did you do? I quit. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) See you later. No, yeah, I I quit. I just slapped the resignation down. Did you have anything lined up? The plan to start my own thing. So it was just a matter of like timing my finances, basically, to work out going out on my own to start the post-money plan. So I knew that I have skills in finance, and I had to think about how can I pair my skills with what is needed in society. So it was a matter of sorting that out and finding where those needs were and realizing that people are going through school, coming out of school with tons of debt, credit card debt, student loan debt, all those kind of things, and then yet don't have the information or education to know what to do with that. Or we don't have how, the how inf- to handle the finest, finest. information to make it in the world, right? Yeah. So how could you, how do you think based on what you and I both have been through with workplace toxicity, can you explain how your program could help maybe somebody that is in a job that it was going through the same thing you were, how could, how could your program help them get prepared is kind of where I'm going at. A large part of what I'm trying to do is empower people and motivate people. So if you feel like you can control nothing, then you really imprison yourself from being able to make a change or do things that can improve your situation or your finances and really all aspects of your life. But then when you channel this concept of empowerment, you do have ability and control over things and more than you think, really. So once you start to think in those terms, you can really take action and realize that things are going to change, or at least you can control your own situation to a larger extent than a lot of times people are want to believe. So if you say, I'm in a horribly toxic work environment, if you make the proper preparations, you can withdraw from that and say, hey, I'm not going to put up with this. I'm getting out of here. I think you exemplify that in your experiences and saying you were in a toxic work environment and you say, hey, I'm getting out of here and I'm going to do my own thing. Right. And I pretty much did the same thing. I was in a workplace where I felt like it was toxic. I said, okay, I'm going to plan this out and I'm going to get out of this and take myself out and, and do what I can to change the situation to put myself where it's not so toxic. And I think this all comes back to what you said, empowering the more empowerment that this society can feel, basically, like almost like a collective like empowerment, like if we can, on a large scale, reach people, empower people that with preparation, the knowledge, the mindfulness, if we can instill that, infuse that in society today on a large scale, 
we can make a difference. If people believe in themselves, I mean, you can do anything. You know, if you take risks, yes, it's going to be painful. There's always a risk. But like you just said, knowledge, I mean, getting the preparation we need to move forward in life is so powerful. See, that's the thing. When people feel like they're entrapment, that they're stuck in situations that they can't affect or change, that creates this paralysis that is really enslaving. And, and that's where I was. And, and it was all the time. I just job after job after job, disappointment. I mean, it's like, what, what was happening here? You know, like finally enough was enough. And I think too many times people have to get to that point, unfortunately. But had I had the skills of budgeting or um, how to invest, how to prepare financially for my future at a young age, or had I known interpersonal skills on how to resolve issues instead of acting maybe on impulse or not thinking through something, if I had these kind of skills that are necessary to survive in the world, maybe it would have been not so life-devastating, tragic struggle, pain. Yeah, I think a lot of pain can be avoided if people are given the tools to empower themselves. With respect to the finance situation, like I was saying, if people are educated so that they can take the steps to then, debt is a huge thing on the financial side. Debt is an enslaving force. And, and everybody's in debt, I feel. Everybody's using credit cards. Debt can change your decisions. Like I was saying, it traps you. It can trap you in difficult situations. Let me give an example. Let's say there is a husband and father of a family and he's got a wife and three kids. There's a lot of bills to pay. And he's at a job where there's a toxic work environment. And then he's asked, hey, you need to- Play ball or- well, Yeah, you need to fake these, these reports or you need to like make up these numbers or things like that. You need to do this if you want to keep your employment and your job security. Yeah, exactly. He's put in a very difficult situation because- he needs he, to support his family. He needs to support his family, but there's a very immoral situation going on at work. So what does he do? Now, in the situation where he's got a lot of debt on top of the bills to pay, then if he's to say, like, no, I'm not going to do this, and then gets fired the next day, then maybe that puts his family out on the street kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then he's really in a hard place. But if he's taken the steps along the way to manage his finances such that there's not as many debts and that the bills are more managed and that there's some like a nest egg sitting somewhere or like a, an emergency fund or something like that. Then if that situation comes up where he's put into a difficult situation. It's not going to sabotage his family. Exactly. It, it takes the pressure off when toxic environments come up and he can say no to a situation which he knows to be immoral. I think that's extremely needed because, you know, that's why the world gets worse in declines and declines because people don't plan. They don't have money stashed away. They don't have a financial plan. So they play ball. They do the horrible things that go against their ethics and morals. So I think having a plan is absolutely needed. So well, let me ask you this first, though. What would you define as red flags to look out for in a workplace that would really set the alarm bells off to you that there's a toxic work environment? Well, knowing what I know now, having all the jobs that I've had, there are so many things. And it depends on your situation. If you need a job, you need a job. But if you have the time and luxury to look for something that is a good fit, 
I would research the company as much as I could, get on Glassdoor, ask people that have worked there, ask people that have left the company. I would do my due diligence any way, shape, and form to get feedback on the company. I would look into the company's culture. I mean, you know, is it closed-door policy or is it open-door policy? You can really, I think, get those vibrations, especially whoever's interviewing you, um, really asking you, so why do you work here? What do you love most? Really digging in deep to values of a company before you accept a position is extremely important. And also the state of the company because they could end up closing their doors in a week after you accept a job or move your life, you know. The thing that really stands out to me is if like you hear any allegations of harassment, things like that, or like illegal activity that is going on at a company. Typically you don't hear about that though. You, you find out when you get the job. Yeah, I, but it, let's say it was like a really big company. You hear about like lawsuits in the news or something like that. Then you wouldn't want to take the job. <laughs> yeah. For example, American Apparel, the CEO... People would go to work there and be like, oh, it's like a trendy company. It's a hip. But then there was constantly allegations of sexual misconduct from the CEO and stuff like that. If so, I heard about that beforehand, I wouldn't even apply. Yeah. To me, that's a huge red flag to be avoiding that at all costs. I think what it comes down to at the end of the day is integrity and your morals. And is it worth it to you? Back to your other point. If you know that the company's not doing so well, that's kind of a red flag. Cause, Huge. Like, There's your money. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but maybe there's nothing wrong with the culture per se in the company. But if the company is doing really poorly financially, when people get the sense that like things are not going well and that slowly, one by one, people are getting laid off and stuff like that, there's just a very depressing feel to a company. My industry as a whole, that happens every year at a certain amount of time. So you think I'd change industries. How about a hyper-political environment? Have you ever experienced that? Everyone is jockeying for power within the company. Grable, okay. Oh, yeah, I've experienced it. And then they shut their doors. Grable, a large van line, yeah. went under. To me, that, that would be especially toxic just because like, anytime you're doing something, you have to be watching out that someone's not like, telling a lie behind your back or trying to like, make you look bad so that they can get promoted above you. Kind unavoidable. Of that's, that's unavoidable. I've seen it all. It's been done to me. I mean, unavoidable. I guess what I'm asking is what should you be looking out for in a company? You'd be praying to the good Lord. <laughs> I mean, you can't control it, but looking out for some, I mean, people can snap every day. I mean, shoot, I want to say, you know, think the best in people, but you need to always be on guard. I'm thinking again of office space. Just thinking of an environment where it's overly bureaucratic, like the boss in, in office space. Everything has a procedure and a workflow that you have to do exactly by the book kind of thing. That is not a motivating environment. And that's old times. I think those kind of companies now, they're suffering. People aren't going to want to work there. There's going to, going to be other opportunities. And if a company isn't stepping up to trying to figure out a more engaged environment, the company's going to fumble eventually. It's inevitable. All in all, folks, if you're not loving what you do on a day-to-day -day basis... You need to change it, whether it's now or whether you need a plan for it. Get your money affairs in order. Figure out your passion purpose for being on this planet and take action on your life because no one else is going to. Wake up, rise up, find your passion. Spread love, be love. I like it. Miss Moveologist out. All right. Thank you, Gina. All right. Catch us next time on another episode of the Post Money Plan Podcast. <laughs>